Wow, today, don't you notice we are almost reaching the end of 2022? I know some of you, you are excited like, yes, you know, we are reaching the end of the year and then we can be excited for 2023. But some of us, we are like, oh no, I only have three more weeks left to the year. I have so much more things I want to do. I've got another 10 kgs to lose this year. That's what I said in the beginning. But I've not even lost one kilo. I gained three instead. Oh, that's not enough time. Many of us are reaching the end of the year with very different perspectives. But the thing is this. Whenever we reach an end to something, sometimes before the end even comes, we are already thinking of the next chapter before even ending it, correct? I mean, for most of us here, even in church, we are already planning 2023, 2024. And I've been talking to some of my friends in corporate. They say, oh, you know, my company already planned the budget for until 2025 already. It's like, wow, you can plan so far. The year hasn't even ended. So many of us, we are preparing ourselves to move to 2023. But I want to bring us back 2022. Three more more weeks? Three more weeks. And these three weeks are actually very crucial to how all of us would enter 2023. It's very subject to what we do, to the mindset that we're having going into the following year. So today, I would like all of us, as we are going to the book of Judges, and today is the last part of Judges. We are going to end Judges today after the, the whole series. How many of you have been here since Judges 1? Pastor Chu is the first to put up. He, he should be from here. From anyone, from the beginning of Judges 1 all the way to today, you have been faithfully coming. Wow, amazing. Let's give that a big round of applause. Come on. Wow, this shows faithfulness. This shows consistency. Amazing. But for some of you who are maybe halfway through today, we're going to end with Judges 17 and 18. Okay, two together in one. And I, I, I entitled this, Who is Your King? And why this title, the word king, actually the main thing I wanted to, to focus on is the word king. Because if you have read the whole of Judges, in that sense, many times, either you hear in the beginning or the end, they said, the people did as they liked because there was no Okay, let me try again. Let me try again, okay? The people did what they liked because there was no king. Exactly. We hear that word. We read that word many, many times. They said there was no king. So, up to us. Whatever I can do, I will do. That was the, 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 the message or the words that's been spoken many times. And I just want us to catch the concept of the word king. Because, you see, Today in our society, the word king has a very different meaning. Our king, we have a king. But our king has very different authority compared to the king in the earlier days, in medieval times or the biblical times. So, just to give you, in two sentences, a king has this kind of authority. The king is the person with the highest authority. Highest. No one comes close to second. The king has advisors. But at the end of the day, the king is the highest authority. And any form of defiance, any form of challenge against him that he doesn't like can actually land them in prison or even death if the king wishes to. 
This shows the power that a king can have. Okay, so maybe this concept, to give you a better picture, we use movies, okay? We are very familiar with movies. So I've got some movies here, okay, that has kings. Game of Thrones. Okay, this is about various kingdoms trying to fight each other to see who will be able to sit on that throne that would be able to, 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 to control all the nations in that sense. One person to control all. Lion King. Oh, I love Lion King. Until today, I still watch. Lion King. You know, the king initially was Mufasa, right? Who wanted to take Mufasa's place? Scar. Why? Because whoever is the king can control the pride, the pride land, all the animals there. Because whatever the king says, they must follow. It shows the power of a king. And later, Lord of the Rings, we know, they need that one king, one true king for, for, to, 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 of, of the land of, uh, what's the name? Gondor, was it? I still can't remember. Is it Gondor? Yeah, I think the king of Gondor that can rally the armies and the people together to fight evil in that sense. At the end of the day, it is one king. That one king that can make a difference, whether for the good or for the bad, but it's just one king. That's why today, the big question, which is the title for all of us today, who is your king? Who is my king? Who is our king? As we look into Judges 17 and 18, we're going to look at three different people's lives on who they view as king in their life. Because it's not so straightforward. It is not so straightforward that we know, oh, this person, the king must be Jesus because, you know, Israelites, they believe in Jesus so, or, or God in that sense at that point of time. Shouldn't it be Yahweh naturally? Actually, not so straightforward. Not so straightforward. So we're going to look at three different people's lives, which is the first, Micah's mother, Micah, and a Levite. These three people, okay? So we're going to start with the first one. Micah's mother. Okay, so I'll like everyone, okay, if you have your Bibles, you can open your Bibles. Very simple. Just go to uh, ch- chapter 17. Okay, Judges chapter 17. I'm going to read Judges chapter 17, and you can just follow me with the Bible, whatever translation that you have. Now, a man named Micah from the hill country of Ephraim said to his mother, the 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from you and about which I heard you utter a curse, I have that silver with me. I took it. Then his mother said, The Lord bless you, my son. When he returned the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, she said, I solemnly consecrate my silver to the Lord for my son to make an image overlaid with silver. I will give it back to you. So, after he returned the silver to his mother, she took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to a silversmith who used them to make the idol and it was put in Micah's house. I'm going to highlight a few words here. In verse 2, this is the mother said, because, okay, Micah took money from the mother, Micah returned it, and the mother said what? The Lord bless you, my son. And then after that, after taking back the silver from the son, the mother said this, this 1,100 shekels of silver, I'm going to take it and I'm going to make an image, an image, an idol, an image of God. And then with that, hmm, I think that will be good. 
Now, again, now we are focusing on Micah's mother. We will come to Micah's story in a while, but let's focus on Micah's mother. When Micah admitted that he took money, and it's the mom's money, and he returned it to the mother, what was the first thing that the mother actually said? The Lord bless you for returning the money to me. Is there something wrong with that? Well, if you think about it, as a parent, I think when your, your children took something from you and returned it to you, you feel that kind of joy, right? Oh, okay, my child repented and gave it back to me. Wow, it should be okay. I want to bless them. Nothing wrong with it. I believe you want to put blessings upon them. However, there's a question that I have. Did God instructed Micah's mother to bless Micah using his name. Because the moment we say, the Lord bless you, we better be very sure that God actually gave that command to the mother. But although, although with that being said, it's very natural for us to say, Lord bless you, right? Not, nothing too, wow, I'm very careful now. I cannot simply use God's word. I'm not coming from that perspective. Because why? I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Because you look above. The 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from you and about which I heard you utter a curse. So you see, Micah's mother started by saying, whoever took, took this money, you will be cursed. But then found out it's the son. Now the Lord will bless you. The concept of curse and blessing was taken so lightly. Micah's mother took it for granted. Oh, one moment, I can choose to curse, but the next moment, I can choose to just bless you by just using the name of God. And to her, maybe at this point of time, you say, okay, never mind. No harm done. Everything was written. It is okay. But actually, is it okay? Because remember, there were laws as well during that time. Was it okay that Micah just returned the money and everything was fine? Actually, not true. If you look at the law that was given in those times, okay, in Leviticus, when they sin in any of these ways, and meaning stealing, and realize their guilt, they must return what they have stolen or taken by extortion or what was entrusted to them or the lost property they found or whatever it was they swore falsely about. They must make restitution in full and add a fifth of the value to it and give it all to the owner on the day they present their guilt offering. So technically, if they are following the law of God, they had to add, in that Micah had to add a 20% so-called punishment to pay back. Actually, that's by law, you know. But maybe we say, maybe that's to strangers. The mother might say, this is my son. I can't expect my son to pay me back for this. He repented, ma. True, possible. I believe that is what a, a parent would do, wouldn't they? Wouldn't say, condemn you, give me that 20% because it's lawfully that you do that. I don't think so. However, it is not just here. It didn't stop here based on what Micah's mother did. I'm going to show you a little bit more. After all this, the highlighter were in verse 3. I solemnly consecrate my silver to the Lord for my son to make an image overlaid with silver. Now, 
if you take the first part away, saying that about the 20% have to give back, and then uh, Micah's mother did not uh, uh, reprimand uh, Micah for stealing the money, maybe we just, if you can just put that aside. Look at what Micah's mother did after seeing that the son has stole money from her. She said, all this money now, I want to use it to make an idol to glorify God. Where did she get all these concepts from? Was there a law at that point of time? Yes, the laws were all present there, but where did she get all this concept that, okay, I can curse you, but the next thing I can bless you, you return me money, it's okay, I don't need to scold you, I will bless you, and now, with that money, I'm going to use it to make an idol to glorify God, because I will give it back to you. Who is that you? God. I want to give this back to God. Where did this concept come from? If I were to ask her, Micah's mother, who is your king? Because remember in the beginning I said, when a king says something, they follow. The laws that came out, the mosaic laws came from God himself. The Ten Commandments, the, the, in terms of making idols, it came from Ten Commandments from the, from the Lord himself. But did she follow that law that was given? No. Therefore, she must have followed another law given by some other king in that sense. The, another lawgiver. Who is that lawgiver? Me. Self. I feel at this point of time, the mother treated herself as the king. I am the lawmaker. I can do whatever I feel is right. Although the law is given, I can choose not to follow. And I believe Michael, Michael's mother loved the Lord because everything she do, I believe she genuinely wanted to honour God in her way. In her way. But there were certain important laws that she had to follow, but she chose not to. Because I believe she made herself as king over her life. The attitude of whatever works for me, I will do it. It doesn't harm anyone else. It is my life, my family's life. It is okay. I will make the rules that would benefit me. doesn't matter, God. Yes, you have your set of rules, but thank you very much. I'll put it aside. I will do what I feel is right. Do you notice that recently, in this couple of years, a lot of human rights movements are coming about, right? And the human rights movement to the extreme actually simply means this is my life. It doesn't affect you. Therefore, I can choose to do what I want because it does not affect you. LGBT movement, the movement of saying, I identify as, how many of you have heard that sentence before? That I identify as something, something, something. How many of you have heard that sentence before? Not that many. Okay. This line, this line simply says this, I can choose to identify as anything I want today. I, can, I, I choose to identify as non-binary. I don't have any gender. What makes us stop at that? Can one day someone say, because I, we had a discussion with some of my friends, we're just talking and say, can I one day say I choose to identify as a chair? We laugh, but think about it. 
they actually can when they make themselves as king. My friends, today, we know there's only one true king. King Jesus. If, our, if everything that we do, our principles, the things that we do, is not aligned to what King Jesus says, therefore, where is our true north? We cannot have a true north when we decide on what is the true north. There has to be one, one true king, and that cannot be us. And we can see from Micah's mother, it started this way, and I believe, again, she was very sincere. Sometimes she probably did not even notice that, that she made herself as king. And you see, when we are in the government of God, in the kingdom of God, whatever the highest level of authority. So when King Jesus tells us to do something, we follow. He said, move, we move. We don't tell Jesus, Jesus, can you move this for me, please? Because it benefits me. But sometimes that is our prayer, right? Lord Jesus, do this for me because I feel this is best for me. Again, nothing wrong with that prayer, I believe. We definitely want things to be done for ourselves that would, to a certain extent, make our life better. That is totally fine. But when it's always about me, 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 and forgetting who should be the true king in our lives, we lose, we lose our way. Everything we try to do, we want to justify it as right. Every single thing. Because it's my law, I can justify it. And in a government, we recently just finished a whole uh, a big election, Right? Praise God for whatever has happened, whatever you guys voted, you did your, your, your role as a citizen, whoever you voted for. But, do you notice, when we had the new government, I hear quite a fair bit of this sentence. I hope the government would do this, this, this for me or for my children or for the nation. I'm watching, Right? The moment the P I saw on social media, the moment uh, uh, the new PM was uh, installed, immediately the post, he better do this, 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 or if not, I won't vote for them for the next election. We ask for the things that benefit us. It is very different when we are in the kingdom of God, when God is the king, when he is the governor, he's the one that governs everything. We do not ask God, God, do this for me. And for me, coming back to the elections, I think what would have been so amazing that as Christians, what can we do? We should say, I pray for this new government to have the fear of the Lord, to do the things that God wants for this land. It might not look good to me now, but Lord, you know. Lord, I want to trust you. That should be our stand rather than saying, I'm watching you. Huh? I'm waiting for you to fail. Friends, let's come with the mindset that when we have King Jesus in our life, not us as king, but Jesus as king, we want his will to be done. Although it might not make sense, we want to trust in him. And coming back to Micah's mother, it may seem that she played a very small role in this story. But you know what? As a mother, she was a role model to Micah. Whether a good or bad one, 
She was a model that Micah followed. And Micah followed this model that the mother started in the sense of making herself, self as king. And from there, we can see how it affected Micah as he grew up. Every action actually impacts the next generation. Why I say that? Now let me speak to you from a person who serves in the children ministry. Every week I have the privilege to speak to children from age 12 and below. And you'll be surprised to see the language that they use today. Okay? Very simple. Just using the whole election story, they came to me and said, I, as I grow up, I will not vote for this colour flag. I won't say anything, okay? This colour, that colour, that person is bad. Seven, eight years old. Again, I've heard stories that, that they say, this personal, not someone told me, personally, I spoke to children and this is what they say. You know what? I will not pray for that particular race because cannot trust this race one. They are liars. Children, huh? Again, children, I believe, they don't have that concept of racism. They don't have the concept of like, who this is an evil person or what, don't trust him. No. You see, when you go to school, we just had a little chat with the pastors recently about schooling and all that. When, when I grew up going to school, we don't see that segregation of race, right? I'm sure when you grow up, we didn't have that. How did that came about? Parents. Parents. So parents, let me speak to you. Can I urge you, can I implore you? Be a good role model for your children. You can have your opinions, that's fine. But let's remember, let's bring back what King Jesus would say in different situations. Not King me. King Jesus, what would he say in that situation? So parents, I just want to speak to you on behalf of what I see, what, how the children are growing up. Yeah? So, Micah's mother was a role model to Micah. Let's see how did that turn out for Micah as we look at Micah's vantage point of who is his king. So the mother is herself. For Micah, let's see. In Judges chapter 17, it says this, Now this man, Micah, had a shrine, and he made an effort and some household gods and installed one of his sons as his priest. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. I'm going to pause here for a while. Is it true that Israel had no king? Think about it for a while. They may not have a physical king, but God has always been there. Always been there. But they choose to say that there was no king. It is a man-made choice. And now as we look into Micah's life, he made some choices of his own as though there was no king. And what did he do? Two main things that actually he did very wrong. Okay? The first one is this. He built a shrine and placed idols. Is that correct even? We think about even now today, it's like, come on, how can this guy be like this? And in that sense, he grew up in a so-called Christian home because the mother wanted to worship the Lord in her own way. He grew up as a Christian in today's terms. 
in Deuteronomy chapter 12, say that you must not worship the Lord your God in their own way, but you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among your tribes to be put uh, to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you must go. A, a shrine or a place of worship for God is very sacred. It's again, unfortunately, very different from how we view church today. In that sense, church in those days, the place where they meet God, is a very sacred place that God tells you, there means there. Don't say, oh, there is a bit hard, like, very hard to bring the materials there. Can we do it here? No. There means there because God is supposed to be the rightful king. What did Micah do? I want to build my own in the comfort of my home. And he did. And not only that, what else did he do? He placed idols. Idols in a place that's supposed to be sacred for God. He placed his own idols. He made something that was so sacred to be so casual. The lines between holiness and unholiness were so blurred. Because why? I believe he took other, after his mother to follow, I can do it how I want. And therefore, this is how I want to do it. No one can tell me otherwise. This is the first thing that he did wrong. The second thing, later in verse 5, he actually consecrated one of his sons as a priest. Again, this is again totally out of the law of God. What is God's law? He said in Numbers 3, verse 5 to 6, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest, so that they may serve him. Only the people who is in the tribe of Levi have that destiny, that prophetic destiny in that sense, as a priest. No one else can. And who is this Micah that can consecrate his own son to be a priest. That is again so idolatrous. Where did he get all this concept from? Passing down from the mother and how from there he chose his own destiny. And we thought that he might have stopped here. No. It goes on again. In verse 12, later during this story, there was a travelling Levite. And then what did he do? Micah installed the Levite and the young man to become his priest and live in his house. So now he got another priest to live in his house. And Micah said, now I know that the Lord will be good to me since this Levite has become my priest. Wow. All these actions from a so-called God-believing person, he can do all these things. And it just makes me think, why? Why would he do such things? What is the underlying factor for him to build a shrine, place a lot of idols, get his son, one of his sons to be a, a, a priest, hired another priest? Why did he do all these things? I see in verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 12. In verse 13, it says, And Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will be good to me. Micah, I believe, was not searching for God. He was not searching for holiness. He was searching for blessings and favour. Think about it. When we have idols, I mean, 
Some of us, we have family members who are pre-believing uh, 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 Christians. They maybe uh, in Buddhism, Hinduism. Do you remember the different things that they do when we go to the temple? You have to burn that uh, paper, you know, drink the paper, have more idols in your house. Why? For favor and blessing. Then it makes so much sense because, again, it doesn't stop here. It's, it concretized here. In verse 1 in the beginning, when he was found out that he stole the money, what did he do? He said, oh, the 1,100 shekels or silver that were taken from you, your mother, and which I heard you utter a curse, I have that silver with me, I took it. If you read it again, he never repented. He was afraid of the curse that will come upon his own life. This is Micah's life. That's why in the beginning, if you read it again, Micah never told the mother, I'm so sorry that I stole this. He only returned it out of the fear that he will be cursed. That's why he has all these altars, all these shrines, all these various idols. It was because he didn't want to be cursed. He wanted the blessings. And therefore, who is his king? Blessings and favour. That was his main objective. Micah's main objective in life as king, as person that I look forward to, that my main objective in life is to have blessings and favour. Not God. It was not God at all. That he was so focused on wanting the blessings of God that he totally lost the whole concept and purpose of worshipping the God who gives that blessing. And don't you think sometimes we are guilty of that? Let's be honest, friends. Let's be honest. Sometimes we are very, to a certain ex extent, maybe naive or ignorant. If I can be talk on a sensitive issue a little bit. Why do we come for prayer altars? Why do we come? Is it because we want to seek the face of God to glorify Him? Or are we there hoping that after I leave this place, I will get that blessing that I have always been asking and praying for? A very fine line, but a very important line. Who is our King? We don't ask God to bless me because at the end of the day, God's way of blessing us might not be what we want from our perspective. Now, as I was sharing this message with Pastor Chu, he told me, Jeremy, tell this to the people. He says, God's intention is never to make us happy but to make us holy. Let me say it one more time. God's intention is never to make us happy, but to make us holy. Amen? Because friends, when we are so focused on wanting the blessing from God, and of course we want things to be good for our life, that is very normal, but if that is our main focus, that God, you bless me in my business, you bless me in my children's life, you bless me all this, then I will worship you. We have lost our way. We kind of have gone off tangent. The Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 33, Seek 
ye first the kingdom of God and all these things, whatever you are requesting, you, you are requesting, I will give it to you. But in my own time, in my own time, but seek God first. I love this quote by, oops, by Gail Hyatt. Okay? People lose their way when they lose their why. People lose their way when we lose our why. Micah lost his way because what was his why? His why was, I want the favour, I want the favour. And because of that, it was so unfortunate that he lost his way. And friends, today, maybe I'm speaking to some of you today, that today maybe for many years, you have actually trusted God that if everything you have been doing is based on God, I'm doing it based on the biblical principles, I pray to seek after your wisdom for years and years. But you have not found that favour and blessing that you were seeking for and hoping for. Again, nothing wrong to hope. But till today, you have not received it. And that, in that sense, forced you to choose to find favour elsewhere. That is very unfortunate. But friends, can I just encourage you today? Don't fall short of what God has in store for you. Don't fall short. Even though you have been trusting God for years, decades, you have not seen that favour or blessing from God. You feel that, why am I trusting this? Why should I trust this God when I see my friend's life? Why? Wow, got so much favour from here. If I do this, if I do that, I don't have to follow these godly principles. These godly principles that is set make me bankrupt, make me lose certain things that I didn't want. I think it's better I just follow the ways of the world because I see the returns. Don't fall short. Don't fall short, friends. Don't shortchange our prophetic destiny, your individual prophetic destiny for immediate gratification. I remember, I think Pastor Chiu last week spoke about the prophetic destiny. That is so much greater, friends. You know, the moment when we say, Jesus, I believe in you, it's not just saying, Jesus, I believe in you. It's Jesus, I believe in your plans. Jesus, I believe in your kingship over my life. Jesus, I believe that you will govern my life, my family's life. It's not just a word, a statement. It has a huge meaning that comes together with it. We can't say one thing and then the next moment, our action shows something else. But friends... In reality, sometimes it is tough. But can I just encourage everyone, don't fall short. God's prophetic destiny over your life is far greater. Far, far greater. Because God has started a good work in our life. Say, says, I am convinced and confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you, in us, in all of you, will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus' return. He has already started a very good work in every one of us. We might not have seen the end of it yet. We might not have seen the fruits of it yet. But something good has already started. So friends, again, don't shortchange. Don't shortchange. Trust in God today. So we have seen two people. Who is their king? Micah's mother says that it's me. I'm the king. Micah, he's king. 
was seeking after blessings and favor. That was the main thing he wanted. Now let's look at the last one. The Levite. Who is your king, if I were to ask that fellow Levite in the story? And I'm just going to tell you first, who is his king? And we will look in the scripture. His king is the highest bidder. Hmm, I see smiles. <laughs> I do not know why I see smiles, but the highest bidder. Where did I find this? A young Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, who had been living within the clan of Judah, left that town in search of some other place to stay. On his way, he came to Micah's house in the hill country of Ephraim, and Micah asked him, where are you from? I'm a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah. He said, and I am looking for a place to stay. Then Micah said to him, live with me and be my father and priest, and I'll give you 10 shekels of silver a year, your clothes and your food. So the Levite agreed to live with him, and the young man became like one of his sons to him. If you just look at this example, what is wrong here? This Levite now is hired to be a personal priest. That's not biblical. I will show you why, okay? Because I'm going to give you another example first, okay? So before I go that, another example of this Levite, why I say that he's the, his king is the highest bidder is because later, down in, in chapter um, um, 18, you will see that a group of Danites are coming to inherit the land, okay? The Danites wanted to inherit the land because they actually lost their inheritance way back in Judges 1. If you remember, the Amorites came and remember in the early days, they did not push all the enemies of God away from the land. So they were still there and because of that, the Danites lost their inheritance. So they were just moving around trying to figure out a place where they can inherit the land. And the story continues where this group of Danites came and found this same priest, this Levite. Let's see what happens there. Okay, when the five men went to Micah's house and took the idols, the ephod and the household goods, the priest said to them, what are you doing? They answered, them, answered him, be quiet, don't say a word. Come with us and be our father and priest. This highlighted one. Isn't it better that you serve a tribe and clan in Israel as priests rather than just one man's household? The priest was very pleased. He took the effort, the household gods and the idols and went along with the people. What is wrong here? A priest forgotten his identity and chose to follow the highest bidder. It sounds good, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm being paid to take care of a whole clan rather than just one person, you know, much, much better returns in the practical sense. Yes, but you know what a Levite's call is? Priests were never meant for hire. Because it says here, that it's God that will provide for him. In the first place, what was this Levite doing? Walking around the land, trying to fit into someone else's place. What was he doing? At this point of time, a Levite's call is supposed to wait upon the instructions of God to see what he needs to do in the spiritual sense for the people. That was the role of a Levite to take care of the temple and all that. But what was this guy doing? Going around. His king was the highest bidder. Who can pay me more? 
who can make my life easier, I will go. For us, is it actually wrong to want to have a life that is easier for us? No. Is it wrong to jump from one career to another career to have much higher pay? Is it wrong? No. Is it wrong to go to another country to start a new life? No, it's not. But if I were to throw the question back, what is your pushing factor to make that decision? Is it because that person is the highest bidder? Or is it because God told you to go or to do that particular thing? What is that driving force? And somehow during this period, I've had the benefit of having a few people actually talking to me. Should I go to Australia? Should I go to Singapore to study, to work? Should I change my job? Should I change church? You know, all these kind of questions. Again, what is your driving factor? Who is the king in that decision-making? Me? Blessings and favor? The highest bidder? Or Jesus? Only you can answer that. And especially we are reaching the end of the year. We are preparing ourselves for next year. All the plans that we have for next year, a lot of us are thinking, making decisions like this. You know, sometimes we feel, I want to just be honest here, that sometimes maybe you say, no, Jeremy, you don't understand our situation. You're a pastor. You are in a very different industry from all of us. Very true. I totally agree in that sense. But you know, if I can use that same terminology, industry, if I can just say pastoral industry, <laughs> we have similar challenges like this. I've been in SIB for 10 years, about seven, six, seven years as a pastor. And during this season, I've had people, churches who have offered me jobs in their church, in church, some in Singapore, some in Australia. I don't know how they got my contact, like friends or friends. And it looks good. Let me tell you, it looks good. First of all, if their currency, Singapore, Australia currency, whoo, whoo, I can hear, whoo, very nice. It's true. I've got offers that to a certain extent might sound like the highest bidder in that sense. But I know deep in my heart, no. Not because of, no, my family is here or not, no. I feel at this point of time for my life that my prophetic destiny at this point of time is here in Malaysia. Yeah, let's give glory to God. Yeah, it's, it's not about me again. It's not about me. And at this point of time, God has placed me in this church at this point of time and I want to follow after God. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Can I be honest? It just doesn't make sense. But I know, I have a peace in my heart that you know, if Jesus is my king, 
and He has given me that peace and direction to be here to fulfill certain things in this time. I want to be able to honour King Jesus, no matter, even though I do not understand. That's just my example. And I'm not sure for how many of you today, you are in that situation that, I'm, that company, that place is just waiting for my phone call to say yes or no. Do I want to go? Friends, allow King Jesus to decide, to govern you. Not what the highest bidder can offer. Allow Jesus to help you. Because if we allow the highest bidder to be our king, what's going to happen? We will lose our prophetic destiny when we choose to follow what the world has to offer instead of following God. We will lose it. We will lose it. And it will take a very long time to come back. So again, don't shortchange yourself. Trust in King Jesus. Amen? I know it's very heavy, but I feel it's so important. Why? Because whatever I just shared just now did not just happen in Micah's life or the Levite's life. It happened in the whole book of Judges. It is a repeated cycle. I believe we have seen this uh, um, You've seen this uh, image where the people fall into sin and then God became angry and judgment happened. And what happened? Because they were judged, they had so many things happening to the people, they cried out for help. Help me, Lord, help me, Lord. And God being a, a gracious God, a merciful God, even though you can go how far away from Him, He's such a merciful God. He said, okay, I hear your cries. I will raise up a deliverer. A judge will come and help. But even though the judge may help, sometimes the judge do not follow exactly what God has told him. Just for example, Samson. One simple example. And then they repent and return to God. But then, the cycle starts all over again. You see, in our lives, we do a lot of actions. One action, just like them. The cycle repeats. Oh, God is angry with me now. Oh, I'm going to repent. What happens? They cry. And then after that, what happens again? A deliverer is raised. Again, this, this thing goes over and over many times. This cycle is repeated one after another for many, many, many years. And all these things, in a sense, represents the things that we do, whether right or wrong. Everything that we do. But we feel it's okay. Lah. It's my life. Ma. Anything wrong, I deal with it. Lah. It's okay. Because I'm sure some of us may have heard people telling, hey, you know what? Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Come back to Jesus. Come back to God. But we just, it's okay. You know, you do your life. I do my life. You know, it's okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for your inputs. But let me do what I feel is okay. It's just me. It's just my life. If my life is destroyed, your life is not affected. Let's see how Judges 18 ended. From Micah's mother to Micah to the Levite and to the end. Let's see what actually happened. 
Then the children of Dan set up for themselves the calf image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's calf image which he made in Judges 17, all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. The image was in the house of God in Shiloh. You know for how many years? I just did a quick research. It says at least about 360 years. It didn't just start out of nowhere. It starts somewhere. Just like a little domino. When someone hits, it affects the next generation, the next generation. And we might not feel it because you know what? The first person here does not feel the full weight. Who feels the weight? The next, the next, the next, the next, the next. Friends, today, can I just implore everyone, make Jesus the King of your lives. Make Him the King of your lives. Don't shortchange what God has in store for you. Trust in Him. Whatever hurt that you, we may have, come back, trust in God. Don't let the world trick us into thinking that I can, make, I can be that King. Don't let the world trick you to say that the riches of the world can satisfy you. Don't. Because why? Whatever wrong decisions that we make would affect the next generation. Therefore, parents, once again, can I just say it one more time? Be a good role model to your children. A role model that comes from the principles and the laws of God. Because it is already given. We don't have to search for it. What is it? It's all in the Word. Build up your family, your children in the ways of God. For the rest of us who don't have families in a sense, no children, friends, I'm sure you have non-Christian friends in your workplace or in schools. You may be their only form of a Christian representation. They may not know anything. They see you. For example, I'm going to use Isaac's name, okay? A general Isaac, okay? If in your work, you have a friend called Mr. Lim. Mr. Lim only knows Christianity or understands the concept of Christianity. Mr. Lim is not a, Christ, not a Christian. But Mr. Lim can only see the concept of Christianity through Isaac. And if Isaac is not living in the ways of God, that King Jesus does not govern his life, what will be that concept of Mr. Lim about Christianity? It will affect someone else, friends. Let me tell you, being a role model is not something that happens in a family. It happens as a follower of Christ. We will affect someone else. So today, as I close, I'm going to ask this question one more time. Who is your king? Okay? Who is your king? Can I have that slide, please? Me? Blessings and favour? Or the highest bidder? As we start, 20, as we are preparing to start 2023 what are we basing our decisions on this tree friends can I say 
Let's all to th- together today make that decision that when this question is asked to you, who is your king? Who is your king that helps you in your decision? Who is the king that governs your life? All of us can say confidently that King Jesus, the King of Kings, is my king. I will trust in Him no matter what. And in a sense, it's so timely that it's the Christmas season. King Jesus came for all of us. All of us, whether we believe in Him or not, He has already come for you because He loves you. He has a good plan. Trust in Jesus today, friends. Trust in Him. Allow Him to work in your life. So as I close, friends, let's not lose our identity as a follower of Christ today. Let's not lose our identity. Let's come back and make King Jesus the King of our lives. Can I invite everyone to stand this moment? I pray and hope that whatever has been said, that all of us will take it as an encouragement to know that it is not the end. If just say one of those, the three kings, me, highest bidder, was once your king, there's no condemnation in Christ. And today, I would like all of us, if God is nudging you, if the Holy Spirit is nudging you today, to say, I want to start right today. I want to end 2022 well. I want to go into 2023 making my decisions based on what King Jesus would do, based on what King Jesus has given me, based on what King Jesus would govern my life and how He will govern my life. Friends, can I just invite you to take a step front? Again, this is just a very simple act to say, Jesus, just be King over my life, no matter what. I may not understand, but just be king over my life. And even if you find that you're seated in the middle, can I just encourage you, if you can, just work your way out because this is, I believe, a very crucial time for every one of us. Make Jesus king over our lives. And if you're here with your family, I just felt that, can I invite you to come together as a family to say, King Jesus be the king of my family. So as we worship in this song, that can I just invite you to just come to the front and let's just honour God with this song. Father Lord, we thank you. Thank you for today. That Lord, we can trust you to be the king over our lives because you are good. You will never forsake us. You have already started a good plan in our life. Help us to trust you today, Lord Father, as a family, as an individual, but most importantly, as a follower of Christ. Help us to trust you. Thank you, Lord, as you separate us, Lord. Separate us with your plan. Separate us with your blessings and favour. Separate us with that joy that you have separate us with that peace that transcends all understanding separate us today Lord Father with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit wherever we are thank you Jesus we honour you today 
in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Let's give Jesus the highest honour. Ministry time is still here, so if you could just kindly uh, um, have your coffee outside. Any one of you who still need prayer, do come to the front as the pastors would love to pray with you. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you again next week or tomorrow.